0: It's the type of creativity that develops because you are mature and because you've had a lifetime of experience. Hi there. Thanks for tuning into this episode on Mature Creativity. I'm Michael C. Patterson, the host of the Mind Ramp podcast, and this episode is excerpted from a a radio interview we did for the Oklahoma Senior Journal, hosted by Robin Gunn. We do these interviews once a month via Zoom calls with my partner Roger Anionson, Zooming in from Oregon, and me from Los Angeles, and Robin in Oklahoma City. Let's take a listen.
1: You guys have suggested the topic that we talk about today and the title of our show is mature creativity, which is an
0: interesting term. Well, mature creativity refers to creativity that you have because you are mature, not in spite of the fact that you are a mature individual. And a couple of things to, to look at, we call it mature creativity, not old age Thank you for (laughs) (laughs) that. There's a difference between, you know, old age tends to sound pejorative. When you talk about somebody who's mature, that, you know, implies that they've developed well, they've accumulated wisdom. Um, So it's also, it's the type of creativity that develops because you are mature and because you've had a lifetime of experience. I had a, a friend who uh, worked for Sesame Street uh, years ago. He did the music for Sesame Street and he was complaining about the job and saying he he wasn't, you know, enjoying his work and I was trying to make him feel better and said something which actually was rather stupid and ageist, but I said, "Well, at least you get to work with a lot of creative young people because there were a lot of young people working for Sesame Street." And he said, "You know, uh, the young employees weren't that creative they're they're too young and inexperienced they have learned only one successful trick and they're too scared to try anything new for fear of failing, which I thought was a really interesting comment at the time you know that when you're young uh, you may have developed one little routine one little trick that is successful, and if you if you don't Sort of cultivate your ability to be creative, then uh, uh, you get fearful about trying anything else. And one of the things that comes with maturity, I think, is that you've done so many different things, you've tried so many different things that you know a that it's okay to fail. Hopefully, that's a lesson that we learn because you never yes. you never get anywhere unless you fail. You know, we're all right. going to fail at sometimes and. What works is being resilient and getting, getting up and doing it over again and learning from what you did. You
2: know? Absolutely. And, and Michael, you pointed out that you've been there and you've done that. <laughs> and that's really something that a younger brain, an immature brain cannot say that they've been 50, 70 or 80 years old. So when somebody has a mindset that's negative saying, I'm too old to do something, and they think of the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That means the teacher isn't doing his or her job. You mm. can teach an old dog new tricks. And new, and the new tricks are part of the new things that are not just the go-to. They're added to that experience, those decades of being there and doing that and trying again failing and then correcting and remembering the failure. The younger person, Michael, that you mentioned in that story wouldn't know what would work and what wouldn't outside of the one thing they know. That's why
0: intergenerational work groups. Yeah, I'm reminded of a story that Marilyn Olson tells. Marilyn's the executive director of Villages OKC. And she was saying a lot of younger people were freaking out with the COVID-19 and with the shut-in. And, you know, it's like, what are we going to do? And (laughs) she said... By and large, her older friends were not freaking out. It's like, you know, right. we've been through stuff like this before. Not, not exactly. I mean, every situation is different, but it's like we have faced crises before. People have lived through wars and through, you know, disasters and mm-hmm. through experience. You realize, OK. We can get through this by being nimble in our minds and figuring out what we're doing by being creative. We will be able to figure this out.
1: Yeah, and I know as somebody that is of the 50-plus age group, I realize that I almost welcome the failure because it start, it's a learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, again, it's a maturity that you have. When we're young, I think we're trying so hard to get everything right, We're we're afraid of failure. That's right. It's also a, a a function of what's called a, a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. A psychologist named Carol Dweck identified this mindset, and she said, some kids grow up with the idea. They've sort of told that, wow, you're really smart. You have done really well because you're really smart. And the message is, oh, that's interesting. I don't know how I got really smart, <laughs> but I guess I am. But then they don't want to be challenged because it's like, uh. I might get yeah. it wrong and people will mm-hmm. see that I'm not really smart. Whereas if you say to kids, Wow, you did really well, you must have worked really hard. It's an oh, so it's it's a function of work and effort. Well, I can do that. There you go.
1: First well, equity, yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you either develop this a fixed idea of your creative ability and your thinking abilities are fixed, and you don't want to challenge him, or you have this growth attitude where it's like, well, I don't know how to do it now, but I'll I'll give it a shot. And like you say, I'll fall on my face a bunch of times, and then I'll learn that, uh, oh, that hurts. It probably yeah. shouldn't fall on my face. You know, let me do something else. There you go. <laughs> And in that pathway
2: to maturity, there are always challenges that are totally unexpected. And some of these young folks have not had the challenges to show them that they have something that really is necessary for qual longevity, and that's grit. They've got to be able to know that when faced with something they thought was huge, they found a way around it. And often it's working together, not going on your own, asking for help and offering help to others. There you are.
1: That is so, you know, not competition, but collaboration, people. Better together. A great story that both of you maybe want to chime in on is the gentleman that landed the aircraft in the, it was at the Hudson River. Yeah,
0: right. Okay. New York, uh, Hudson,
1: yep. Yeah, so Sully was the name of the movie. And so t- talk a little bit about how he was able to do that over somebody maybe that was much, you know, 20 to 30 years younger than him,
2: maybe even 10. The reason it's known as the miracle on the Hudson is no one died. Not one person died in what could have been a, just a catastrophe. So what we find out, Sully, the famous pilot, made the right moves, but not quickly. He didn't move with the speed of a young brain. He moved with the maturity, the creative maturity of an older brain. His co-pilot's working with him. They're talking, and they move to a point where they both agree and just quietly say, we can't make it to the airport. They then are looking with no engines. They're looking at, where can we go? Sully banks to the left, And he lands it on the Hudson. Sully was 58 years old. Mm -hmm. In an earlier generation, he would have been too old to fly Mm -hmm. because his hands aren't quick enough. But what he had was a mature mind that had been there, practiced it, done that, knew what to do. And his co-pilot was almost as old
0: over the age of 50. Mm -hmm. Two mature minds. One of the things about creative maturity is that the more you live, the longer experience you have, the more routines you can actually Mm. create and the more routines you have at your disposal, then you have lots of options. And I think that's what's going on with Sully. You know, he saw he was in a crisis. It was all a new crisis, but he didn't have to think, oh, my God, what am I going to do? he had a whole you know. you know i could do this i could do mm-hmm. this so it's like he had all these routines that he had also practiced yes exactly he had been in these things so it wasn't like he was suddenly have, having to learn how to do it right and on. he was able to pick the right one so that's that's a really good example i think of of creative maturity or maturity absolutely a perfect one when you define creativity, most definitions of creativity combine two important aspects. One is something new. It's novelty. You bring something new in, into the world. But the other is utility. It's only really creative if it does some good, if it's useful for something. Right. So you have these two sides mm-hmm. of novelty and utility, or I like to talk about novelty and routine. Uh. And people don't think of routine as being a part of creativity, but it is a very important part of creativity. You can have this wild, you know, wonderful imagination about things that you could do, but if you don't actually turn it into something, you know, into a routine, into an invention, into a product that people can actually use... It doesn't do any good. And you do that by creating routines. And Michael, you're on the
1: board of directors of an organization called the National Center for Creative Aging. Can you tell us about that organization and what it does?
0: Yeah, not on the board anymore, but I used to be, Uh, and and uh, I think maybe in previous interviews we've mentioned Gene Cohen, who was very influential to us. He was the first deputy director of the National Institute on Aging, and a really uh, uh, important pioneer in the field of gerontology, and Mm. he was a mentor for both of us. And, Michael, he wrote the book called The Mature Mind. Yes. And creative aging. I'm glad you mentioned that because there is this myth about aging that uh, you you lose your creativity when you get old. And that essentially pissed Gene off. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not losing any creativity. So he wrote a whole book on that and used example after example of people who, uh, the the later part of their lives, created all kinds of, of masterpieces and wonderful creativity. He was particularly excited about folk art because there's this mm. phenomenon where a lot of people have gone through their careers. They might've been interested in being artistic and creative when they were younger, mm. but then life happens <clears> and you have to get a job, you know, and you sort of put that aside. People who have in their older, in their later years, after they have retired, go back to doing art, but do it without any sort of formal training, but they come up with these fantastic pieces of art there was one guy in particular who was a an HVAC guy. He worked with air conditioning and vents and so on. He ended up creating these great sculptures out of air conditioning ducts. Oh know, my so, word! And, and he's in museums across the the, wow. the world. Wow. What is who's what's his name? Ah, oh, I should have looked it. it up. I don't remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my dad started painting after he was retired, and it was incredible. We never knew. He didn't know either. He just thought he'd pick it up and do it, and it was after the age of 65. So I know that to be true.
2: And I don't know what your dad did, but a comment that I think uh, Gene probably said was, the brain shouldn't retire when your employment retirement happens. Your brain should rewire and do what you have that gift of time. You're either going to spend it or invest it. I'm glad you mentioned your dad.
1: Yes, and he actually even got better after he had dementia. It literally improved when he was it had was, to. He men- was painting. He was painting. Yeah.
2: Wow. On your website, if you if you mention again in the show, get a picture of one of your dad's paintings. I will put put a thumbnail there. That's Talk a, a great idea.
1: Michael was talking to us about uh, the National Center for uh, Creative Aging and what that organization
0: does. So let's continue that, Michael. Yeah, when I was working at AARP, running the Staying Sharp program, uh, my boss called me in and said, there's this guy here I want you to meet. And it was Gene Cohen. And he was looking for money to finish up this research that he was working on. And I had a pool of money, so I was able to help fund the research. This was the first research that actually demonstrated that doing Creative art projects with older adults not only improved their mood and their their Mm. sort of psychological well-being, but also improved their health. This was a big deal because there was actually evidence to it. And Gene then went on to create to this organization called the National Center for Creative Aging, which was Mm. put in place to help support artists who did art with older adults around the country. Try to help them with what procedures work, with best practices, to help them find funding and so on. And Gene invited me to join the board Mm. of directors and to help him with the sort of the science side of this, continuing to uh, show that there is physical concrete benefit to doing the arts so that we could support it and get more funding. I should say, with um, you were asking me earlier, uh, which art, you know, is his one art? And it's all of the arts. So, like you were saying, you can say the arts. Mm -hmm. Another point that I always tried to make was you can be creative without the arts. I mean, that's one example of creativity, but scientists are creative, engineers are, you know, you can be creative in the kitchen. Either do the same thing over and over again and, uh, you know, eat Pop Tarts. Or you can, you know, actually try to create an interesting meal. Michael, that's why you call it the culinary arts. One of the things
2: that (laughs) Gene Cohen did 20 years ago in this groundbreaking study was to show that if people actually participated in singing or acting over a period of time, not just one weekend, but over a regular period of time, their brains are exercising, they're working as a teen, and the one in DC that Michael knows well because he lived there, they also had a crescendo event at the end. They actually performed a singing chorale at the Kennedy Center. It isn't just the art doers. In our cognitive activity courses, we explain that the art doers get one brain benefit, but the art viewers. We can have someone go into an art group on every Wednesday and just sit and chat and talk and watch, and we have the science to show that they benefit by watching the activities of the people that are doing it.
0: I wanted Roger to tell the story of Henry and his relationship to music. Do you remember the title of the YouTube, Roger? If you just put in... Alive
2: inside, which is the award-winning documentary. Your brain comes alive when you have music in your brain. Mm. And type in the name Henry. Yeah,
0: no, you know, mind you, Henry was a, a, an older man who was institutionalized and was almost catatonic. Mm. He didn't didn't speak. He was just kind of hunched over until they put these earbuds in and played music and then his eyes popped open and he he became more animated and he he even got to the point where they were asking him you know questions and he was responding they said why do you like music so much and he he was saying oh it's like poetry it's like Mm -hmm. you know and his, his daughter, I think it was, was there and she was just totally amazed. It was like- Oh, she had to be blown away. She had given <laughs> up on, on, you know, her ever seeing the dad that she remembered and here he was back because of the, of the music.
1: I
2: love it.
0: It's really motivating for someone who feels
2: like they're helpless. Nothing I can do for Uncle Joe because he doesn't even know who I am. Will you find out what his favorite song of all time is get some earbuds, put it into a playlist, you play it for him one time and see what happens. But as Michael suggested. All
1: right, um, Michael, will you tell us how we can get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, the best way is to go to our website at www.mindramp.org. Mindramp.org. And there are a bunch of free resources there that you can go to. We've got uh, all of our podcasts you can listen to all of the podcasts one of the things we're gonna do is group the podcast to make it easier to find so for example we've got three or four podcasts that talk about creativity I'll organize it so if you want to just go to the creativity you know you can go and, and look at those podcasts and also okay. there's a if you want to get in touch with us there's a way to schedule an appointment with us there's a way to just send us a note and say you know hey i'm interested in following up what is this coaching business you know how do i do it so
1: that's great guys thank you so much for being on i appreciate you both so much
0: we appreciate you having us
1: you're my buddy thank you um, and it's mindramp.org, M I N D R A M P dot porg